Hey, I'm Johnny King, and I'm a life enthusiast, growth mentor, and lifestyle fulfillment coach, which means I've dedicated my entire life to helping anyone who feels like they're not making the most of their potential to level up and live the extraordinary life of their dreams. You deserve to be the king or queen of your own kingdom, and I'll be alongside to help you be the best version that you can be. I'm psyched that you're here, so let's get to it. Yo, it's Johnny King, and today I'm going to geek out on the topic of shame, amongst other things. And in this solo episode, I'm going to just go for it. And you heard me correctly. That was like me being extremely efficient by taking the word solo and episode and combining them into one word. Solo episode. You heard it here first. You're welcome. But uh, I was recently sitting down for coffee uh, with a buddy, and we were just talking about like self love. How many people have I talked to? I'm like, well, I don't, how do you how do you love yourself? I mean, intellectually, I understand the concept, but how do I actually go about doing it? I just the the self talk is so strong. The the force is so strong in that one. Um, the force being, you know, not appreciating ourselves. And uh, at times, you know, I've said, well, I think self-love is, it's not, there's no science of, of figuring out how to love yourself. It's really comes down to the, the, the art of your own journey to healing. Um, but as my buddy and I discussed, it's like, you know what, a big part of his journey to to getting to a place where he really has been able to be successful in his life had everything to do with getting himself out of his own way, right? All of us, all of us probably in one way or another have gotten in our own ways, uh, some worse than others, but a lot of it is because of a feeling of, you know, being unworthy, unworthy of love from others, from ourselves. And what he said is like, man, just forgiving yourself of your history is a prerequisite for, for offering yourself self-love. And, and I would attest to that too. Like a big part of the last, let's say, 12 years of my life have been doing different seminars and programs that have allowed me to go back into the past to look at where the, the beginning of these limiting beliefs have found, you know, fertile ground and then forgiving myself because a lot of times the stories and the limiting beliefs that I created during those times, I was uh, a little boy, a teenager or a young man who had very little tools at his disposal to be able to handle very challenging emotional events or topics. So I was, I was listening to a podcast uh, from Brene Brown on the topic of shame. And if you have heard any of her stuff or listened to any of her TED Talks, um, I'll kind of remind you in some regards. But her definition of shame is an intensely painful experience uh, or feeling of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of connection, love, and belonging. So, you know... (laughs) 
I guess what she went on to say in this podcast, a lot of what we're going to talk about today is is honestly just me kind of regurgitating some of her ideas, but they're so good that I'm like, oh man, I gotta, I just need to chat about it. Um, is she was just mentioning how the the f- that feeling shame is not the same thing as being shamed. Okay, so she she kind of was talking about earlier this summer and just you know how white people just talking about attempting to be anti-racist and looking at how we show up in in the world and how a lot of white people have this like white white shame you know and she was like this it's one thing to feel shame with you know how we have knowingly or unknowingly supported a system that has supported racism it's another thing to be actively racist right so she just kind of started the the podcast episode off with looking at that because she, as she said, one of, I mean, it is like one of the, the most primitive human experiences is, is feeling the emotion of shame and that we all have it. Like there's not a single one of us that has gotten through this life without ever feeling shame. Okay. The feeling of that, the, the fact that we're not enough or that we're unlovable, um, when we just kind of want to crawl up into a little ball be as small as we can and disappear. <laughs> uh, and she says, you know, a big a big part of why shame, you know, persists is that we don't like to talk about it. There's a, there's a couple of different reasons why, but for, for one is that we don't like to talk about it uh, because it's kind of contagious. Uh, and, and as one person starts to talk about it, the other people can start feeling shameful about things in their lives as well. And we'd rather just maybe kind of stick our head in the sand and pretend like we're not feeling the shame. But the truth is, as she talks about it, um, and as I've referred to it in, in the past, is that, you know, when we start to talk about the things that we feel shame about, then uh, we actually start to shrink the monster. <laughs> um, but the the less we talk about it, on the other side of the coin, the less we talk about it, the more we have it and the more it feeds into our lives. And so I was chatting uh, last night over dinner with, with the girlfriend, and she was like, "What are what are you, what are those things that you're actively feeling shame about?" And I was like, "Hmm, that's a good question." <laughs> you know that I I certainly feel a lot less shame than I've done or that I've felt for a lot of my life. And when I've gone back and thought about like where did where did the shame actually begin? I mean, I remember a couple of different things that happened in my life. I mean, being held back in second grade as kind of, I don't know, somewhat insignificant as that is now in my life. Of course, at the time, I felt like I was a complete failure. Like I wasn't smart enough. I was stupid. Um, I was, you know, not not up to par with all the rest of my classmates and thus that's why I was being held back. And so that started a, a shame belief, again, that I was not, you know, lovable, that I wasn't smart, that I wasn't capable. And I held on to that until I was 34, 35, until I did some work uh, out in Los Angeles. And when I figured out the the location and the timing of that, man, I was able to actually give myself empathy because that was, I was a second grader. How old, how old is that? That's like eight years old, maybe. I don't know, eight or nine. Like that's an eight or nine year old attempting to deal with probably one of, if not the biggest failures of my life up to that point, right? 
Uh, I was hit by a car one time when I was seven years old after my mom told me not to pull out uh, into the, you know, around this blind corner from our driveway. And so I had like somewhat of these highly emotional, traumatic events that I felt like I was, um, you know, just just falling short of my parents' standards for me, right? So I don't know exactly where it was. Cause I don't remember. It was like, oh, that's exactly when shame really began to seep into my persona. But it's interesting for you to be thinking about it too. Uh, and sometimes just intellectually, it's, it is really challenging to sit down and think about, like, okay, hmm, scratch my chin. When did shame show up in my life? I, I can tell you right now, some of the programs that I've taken over the years uh i they they put you into a mental state if you will where you are very receptive to accessing some of those limiting beliefs and and to eradicating them and so it's it's hard to have a a conversation like this um in our day to day lives with, without being in that um container if you will <laughs> in that environment for you to kind of really get to the core if you can think of something awesome if you can't just again don't <laughs> don't shame yourself that's that's not the point of this but it, it is something that I feel like it's it's worth getting to getting to the the basis of um, because at the end of the day as Brene talks about shame is the fear of disconnection you know it's it's the it's the exact thing that we are, um, or I should say it's the exact antithesis of what we've, we are actually hardwired for, right? We're hardwired for um, emotional and physical and cognitive connection with other people. We, we want to give love. We want to be loved. We want to feel like we have a sense of belonging. We want to feel like there's a purpose as to why we're here on this planet that our meaning, that our lives have meaning, I should say. Um, and instead, shame pops up when we feel like we're not good enough and that we're, and that we're not worthy of connection and love. I mean, I, I cannot tell you how many times I've heard this, especially from female friends of mine who, who struggle in their dating world. Uh, and they're like, this always happens to me. This always happens. And it's because I'm not lovable. I'm not enough. I won't be loved. No one will ever love me because I am flawed. I am broken, right? So that is shame. Um, and shame, as she talks about, it offers, it, like the experience of shame equals real pain in our brains. Because um, she said there's a study actually that they did where they were analyzing the brain and they looked at the comparison of when someone spilled hot coffee on their hands versus what they experienced when they were socially rejected and the same parts of the brain lit up when they analyzed it. And so, yeah, absolutely. Shame is experienced within our bodies as the same pain as pain when we hurt ourselves physically. And so she talks about the importance of social acceptance and connection with other people is literally reinforced by our brain chemistry. And so the, the pain that then results from 
social rejection or disconnection is is literally again the same as stubbing our toe or cutting our finger or something crazy like that so i thought that was fascinating um and so in the and i guess when when i really think about it in terms of my experience and the experience that i see a lot of uh, within men that i work with especially men just because again we we just don't we're not supported i mean this is so cliche now is because everyone talks about it we're just not supported in growing up typically at least not until <laughs> uh, not in the recent uh past and for generations beyond that um to to really talk about well to even really talk in general uh not to mention even our emotions but how many fathers or grandfathers or grandfather great great grandfathers were you know men of very few words oh he's a man of very few words oh that's neat <laughs> uh and a lot we've had a lot of examples of men that are lone wolves you look at uh characters like uh James Bond for one um what's the other oh gosh totally blanking on the the cowboy um i know Wayne Wayne John Wayne um thank you there you go what other just just a, there's so many there's so many I can't think of any of them but no truly when we look at uh, the movies there's a lot of um, <laughs> male role models that are defined as like loners you know and they're by themselves the it's like the Tom Cruise and in, in Maverick or um, Mission Impossible you know a lot of times it's like yeah, they might have some some people they work with, but in general, it's just all up to them, the Jason Bournes, um, and things like that. And that's it's it's tough because it it does support this thought that you know to be a real man, you have to go at it alone, and that's extremely challenging um, because when when we can't put words to shame. And and because as Brene talks about, like shame hates having words wrapped around it. Because when it does, shame brought into the light, it, it exposes it. It hates being acknowledged. Okay. Shame feeds and grows in secrecy and isolation. So I know I said earlier, as she mentioned, shame is kind of contagious. And yet... Uh, it is still part of the requirement for us to realize the disillusionment of shame and that it then that it breaks apart and it disappears the more we talk about it. But we are scared to bring it up because we know of how contagious it can be and it can also make other people feel shamed, okay? But you have to acknowledge it. You have to put words to it, okay? However, again, if you look at most men, and again, I think statistically, I'm going to get this wrong, but ballpark-wise, if you just look at you know, men and women day-to-day, uh, -day, women use like two-thirds more words <laughs> throughout their day than men do. They use like roughly 6,000 words a day. Men use 2,000, okay? Generally speaking, that just means women are putting up two two thirds time <laughs> two thirds times. See, I have no words to talk like you know good English. 
they have what? 66% more opportunities of taking shots, meaning like they're, they're talking about their emotions, they're interacting, they're communicating with other women or other men or other people. They're, you're going to just be a lot more proficient at something compared to someone else if you're doing it uh, 66% you know, percent more than they are, right? So guys typically aren't all that well or adverse in, at speaking their emotions. I certainly wasn't at all around the time that, that like my life imploded around 29 and 30. I could not even put words to how I was feeling, okay? And so it's really challenging because I feel like as she goes on to tell in her podcast that there's four emotions of, as she refers to it, self-conscious effect, okay? And self-conscious being like, you know, the ability to reflect on ourselves, okay? And affect is just a smart sounding word for emotion, okay? But she talks about that there's four different kind of, like she talks about the self-conscious effect that we use interchangeably that aren't accurate. You know, we use shame, guilt, humiliation, and embarrassment kind of like interchangeably, and, and they're all different they might have a similar root, but they, they're different, right? Because shame is like, uh, I am bad. Guilt is I did something bad, right? So why it's dangerous to use these four words, shame, guilt, humiliation, and embarrassment interchangeably is because I guess it's, it, <laughs> as she goes on to say, it's, it's, it's extremely important to understand and name your emotion, uh, for ways of like getting to the healing part. Okay. So say, say you walk in, uh, to the doctor and you're like, like, what's wrong? Like, I don't know. I just got this pain somewhere in my body. Like, okay, we'll point to the area. Like, ah, it's just like in my midsection. Okay, what does it feel like? Ah, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's just super painful. Okay, and that's why. And then they're like, "Was it piercing? Is it searing? Is it throbbing?" So you're, you're attempting to put a word to pain when a lot of people are like, "I, you know what? I just don't know." And so of course, then what do they have to go off of? Like, well, we're just gonna have to run some tests, <laughs> run you through the tests to hopefully figure out what it is that that is causing the pain, right? But physically, it's no different than it is emotionally. If you really if you're just feeling pained, but you don't know how to you know, explain what you're feeling, then you're you're up a creek without a paddle. And I have talked to many a man who has said like, dude, I'm making progress because just let's say a year and a half ago, I could never I could not even been able to tell you exactly what I was feeling, but I just knew that I was deeply in pain. Okay. So it's, it's like the difference of talking to, uh, you know, a, an eight year old who's playing T-ball, you know, let's say a six year old who's playing T-ball baseball versus a professional who's played all his life. You can give the professional very precise information on how they can, you know, move, 
you know, two millimeters of their wrists this way or that way to make a dramatic impact on their hitting percentage, right? Versus you give that to a six-year-old, he's going to be like, what? He has no idea what you're talking about. And that's the difference between the emotional fitness that I'm, I'm always working to improve in myself and work and improve on working with, with the men that I work with. It's like, that's the difference. You know, you, you have to have that emotion, amount of emotional fitness so that you can give words to the emotions that you're feeling. That is the, the, the required uh, process of, again, the, the emotional granularity. It's like the ability to, to really define emotion so that you have the, the resilience and the ability to, to move through it Otherwise, it just feels like this fog, right? This fog that something's not right, that I'm not super happy, okay? That's why I love this, you know, doing the podcast, doing the work that I do, because it's all about creating self-awareness, okay? So how we actually experience, this is what Brene Brown says, how we experience the self-conscious emotions really comes down to self-talk. How do we talk to ourselves about what's happening? So she said, again, the difference between shame and guilt is like deciding that I did something bad versus I am bad, okay? So she gives an example of like, okay, you get really, really hammered on a Thursday night and you're so hungover that you end up missing an important meeting in the morning, right, at work on Friday, she, she's like, this is so important for us to look at, to look at, are you, is your self-talk more shame prone or guilt prone? I thought this was kind of just so fascinating. If you're saying things such as, God, I'm such an idiot. I'm so stupid. I'm such a loser. I shouldn't have drank last night. You know, like this is why I'm, my life is such a fuck up. Then your focus is all on yourself. Okay. That is all shame prone self-talk, okay, versus, you know what, that was a really stupid thing to do last night, I shouldn't have drank so much, um, the, the, the focus is more on the behavior, you know, and you feel guilty about it, but not who, who you are, okay, so let's say, again, you, you cut corners, and you're preparing for a presentation, and you completely bomb it at work, is your self-talk, I'm stupid, or is it, that was stupid not to have better prepared for that presentation? You know, I took that too, too uh, casually. So this is why looking at self-talk is so important. Uh, because when you distinguish between the two, you, you can figure out whether you're more, more shame-prone or guilt-prone. I can look back at my life and see how the majority of my life, let's say for at least 30 years, 35 years of my life, I was extremely shame-prone, okay? Um, and sh being shame-prone is highly correlated, as Brene goes on to say, with addiction and depression and violence and bullying and eating is eating disorders they're all enmeshed okay versus being guilt prone where the, you have the ability to focus on your behavior but you don't take on the behavior 
as if the behavior is you, you know, it's like, oh, I failed at that versus thinking, no, I, I am a failure. Okay. I remember being on Facebook, you know, a couple of years ago and we, someone, one of my buddies posted a a photo of me and all my buddies uh, in high school. And I forget some, some gal piped up. She's like, oh, look at all those bullies, those assholes, you know, ruined my high school experience. And God, I didn't even remember. Like, I remember vaguely who she was. But she's like, I, I forget exactly what, but she ended up attacking me, being like, yeah, you always would bully me in high school and in math class. And I'm like, God, I, <laughs> I have very little to no recollection of that. But when I'm talk, what I'm talking about right here being shame prone and having it being highly correlated with addiction and depression and violence and bullying, eating disorders, like I'm thinking, yeah, I it would not, it does not surprise me that throughout high school, especially being you know, 16, 17, 18, 18 year old, all the things that's going on and family and life and hormones or anything else that, especially if I had like an underlying shame. Uh, prone behaviors or thought patterns. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure I was an asshole to plenty of people, right? I also know that I was a nice guy and and supportive and to a lot of other people, right? It just depends on <laughs> the day, I guess. Um, but that's 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 my thought process in in being like, okay, if I still were shame prone. I'd be like, well, see, that's a great example. I am an asshole. I am a bully. I am, you know, whatever. But I remember when that came up a couple years ago, I was like, "Ah." again, not to belittle, you know, what this this woman felt in high school and how that affected. Like, I'm deeply, deeply sorry for, for her experience, especially if I, you know, not if, especially because I highly impacted it in a negative way by being a complete asshole and a bully, right? However, now I give myself the grace to be like, dude, you were doing the best you could with the the tools that you had and in those type of experiences, you came up massively short, right? You, you affected this woman negatively uh, to a point where she's still bringing it up in her mid-30s, Right? And she's still, I mean, the just the way I could tell that the energy that was behind it, she was still extremely hurt. She, I wouldn't be surprised if that'd be a situation where I get an invitation to be on Jerry Springer and and then I'm on the, the show that's called From Geek to Chic and she shows up and shows off with how great she is now. Um, <laughs> have you ever seen those episodes? I'm like, oh, it's like the worst TV ever, right? Um, but again, the the people that we, I mean, if you're doing the work, you should be able to see that you've come a long, long way. Was I an asshole in in high school at times? I'm sure I was. Was I not a great son at times to my mom? I'm sure I was. Was I a horrible brother to my siblings at times? Absolutely. Have I made mistakes? Absolutely. Have you? Absolutely. Has the gal that was reaming me on social media been perfect? Of course not. We all have our shortcomings. But you have to look at how you deal with being a, you know, taking accountability 
And that's not blaming yourself. Accountability is not blaming, okay? Taking accountability and being responsible for your actions is just owning it and saying, hey, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was working with, the, with, with all that I had that time, and unfortunately, I was handed the short stick, and it doesn't mean to, um, you know, trying to justify my actions. It is where it is. I'm deeply sorry. But as long as you're moving forward and you're really looking at where you're healing, you know, the, the underlying shame, gosh, you'll, ne- you'll never, you'll, let me be more articulate. Um, you'll never be, I guess, finding that space of appreciating oneself, of increasing your self-esteem, of learning to be... <sighs> more self-aware and to actually love yourself, aka have self-love, if you're not willing to do the work and face the, the inner demons and the things that are most scary, to learn, you know, that, that it's all just, it's false belief. It's fear. It's false evidence appearing real that you are not enough that you're not lovable. Those are all lies, okay? So the more you can separate um, that, you know what, you are a good person, but made a really, really bad choice, aka my bullying in high school, the more the outcomes we're looking to avoid, like depression and addiction and violence, those all can be mitigated, as Brene talked about on her podcast, because you're doing away with the shame, okay? So again, how you look at the shame proneness of, of you versus the guilt proneness is looking at how you talk to yourself when you're really upset with yourself. Do you have the, the empathy and the compassion, the self-love to be like, you know what? You are still a good person. You just made a horrible decision or a choice which you can learn from and <laughs> make better in the future? Or are you an asshole and will forever be an asshole and you'll be forever married to being a victim to life? The, it's not easy. The things we're talking about on this show, the things we're talking about in terms of showing up to be your best version of yourself, to, to, to take off the layers of of false belief and limitation and all those stories that you may tell yourself that you're not good enough and that you'll never be a success and all of that is bullshit it really is it's just false evidence appearing real it's the fear that we will not have the connection that we ultimately are (laughs) that we're hardwired for right so a little bit longer of a of a podcast episode, but I hope you enjoyed it because I think it's one of those things that you really we have to dive into deeply because it's one of those things that we don't talk about it enough. Men who are depressed and isolated and addicted, it is all at the root of all of that is fucking shame. Shame that you're not loved and that you're not good enough, which is all uh, a false claim about you. Now, it's easy for me to say this, but (laughs) 
if anything, it's, it's got to be encouragement. If you really hear this and you're tired of being in that place of feeling addicted and feeling low self-esteem and unworthy and questioning whether or not you should even be here on this planet, man, you are loved and you are worthy. You just got to, you just got to use the pair that you were given <laughs> the pair between your legs and, and go do something about it. There's so many things that I could tell you. I have conversations all the time. And guys are like, hold on, hold on, slow down, slow down. You're giving me so many things for me to read or do. I'm like, I'm, I'm so, like, that's, that's why I love, I'm so passionate about doing what I do here because this is what gives me as well as so many other guys freedom. And that's what it's all about, man. Freedom. Think about what would life be like if you had the freedom to do what you want to do, like you got stuff done, you were productive, you were on purpose, you were happy with yourself, you were fit and healthy mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially. Like that's the whole purpose of this, like the book that I'm writing right now, Becoming Kings. It's like that's living life where you sit at the throne of determining what your life experience is and looks like Versus you just being, you know, <laughs> at the disposal of whatever life throws your way. Fuck that. I did that for way too long, right? You probably have too. So, but nothing's going to change if you don't change the way you do things. So, you have to look at the things that you're most scared of. Whether it be reaching out to say sorry to someone, taking ownership of something else, taking responsibility or accountability for past actions and saying, you know what, I apologize, you know, reconciling toxic behavior, getting a coach of some kind, maybe you you struggle with finances, so you want to get a financial coach, I don't know, whatever it is, but whatever is most scary, but you know, like, to actually be able to move forward in that area would give you such freedom, then you must move forward in that, so, Anyways, I always, always, always so appreciate you hanging in there and listening to another episode of my show. It's me just kicking it, and I don't have a script. I just make this make this stuff up as I go, and I hope you feel that because I don't. That's what I dis, dislike most. Uh, as much as I love people, I dislike uh, disingenuousness. Dis, disingenuousness? Yeah, being inauthentic. Uh, when I meet people, when it's fake and it's like, come on, man. Like, yeah. So all all of that is just to say that, you know, you, you are (laughs) loved and you are enough just the way that you are and all the ways that we might put on masks and try to put on facades to appear that, you know, you got your shit together when you know, deep down inside that you don't, it's okay that you don't. But nothing's going to change. You're always going to keep just living that life of that mask and that fake way of showing up. The people do actually see through. You're not really kidding anyone. It's all You're going to keep living that way, which is no way to live until you actually have the courage to say, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to call a spade a spade. I'm going <laughs> to come out and just say, hey, I need support. Help me out. Because if you're a brother listening to this and you don't have much support or don't have many friends, man, just reach out to me. I'm here. That's why I'm. That's why you're listening to me. Okay, just shoot me an uh, an email or hit me up on social media, podcast at johnnyking.com. Okay, or hit me up on like I said, one of Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever. Like, 
you you really do have a lot more support than you realize. It just takes the courage for you to actually step out there. So until we meet again, have an amazing rest of your day. We'll talk to you soon. And I want to thank you so much for listening to The Johnny King Show. And hey, if you got something positive from this episode, please subscribe to the show, share it on your favorite social platform, and then tag me in it so I can say hi. It would also mean the world to me if you wrote a review of the show on Apple Podcasts because I read every single one. Do you feel like there's something that I could be doing better? Awesome. I totally thrive on constructive feedback, and it's always welcome. So if you've got questions or concerns, you can always reach me via email at podcast at johnnyking.com. And then please follow me on Instagram at johnnyking, facebook.com backslash johnnykingmenscoach on my YouTube channel and LinkedIn. Thanks again for joining me. I've been Johnny King. You've been amazing. And we'll catch up with you next time. Take care.